You are listening to Grab Them by the Pod, a member of the Ace Podcast Network. Another edition of Grab Them by the Pod. I am Kevin along with Jesse. And how about those Croatians, huh, buddy? Going to the World Cup Finals. Well, it's tough. I do have some friends from England who are super excited when England won the last game. Uh, and I haven't checked Facebook yet, but I can only assume they are not doing so happy or doing so well today. So, you know, but them's the breaks. Uh, United States wasn't even in it. So, yeah, they should be happy. Exactly, where they'll face off against France. And I, as I'll talk about later, spent some time with a Frenchman over the last (laughs) week who was very excited to root for his countrymen in their big game yesterday. So the matchup we've all been waiting for, France versus Croatia, World Cup 2018. Well, you know, looking at how things are going in the world and in politics, uh, with no United States to cheer for, I was just rooting against Russia. So happily... They are no longer in it, and uh, they have to have their home crowd just watch another team win it. So, hey, you know, that's that's a win, I suppose. Well, take what we can get. That's where we are in life, yeah. But uh, it's been a rough week. I had a rough beginning of my week, a rough Monday afternoon or evening when we knew that uh, the Supreme Court pick was going to be coming. Uh, Trump had announced, you know, he always the reality showman, always the carnival barker. He made sure that it wasn't, well, actually it did. It cut into a couple of the live broadcasts uh, during the evening television shows, but it didn't actually, it wasn't on the uh, the guide. So I thought, wow, I, I watched it online like an idiot instead of watching in front of my TV. Um, but he finally announced uh, that Brett Kavanaugh is going to replace uh, Anthony Kennedy on the Supreme Court, or at least that's his nomination, that's his hope. Uh, you know, and there were a few things uh, worth mentioning when talking about him, but you know, number one in my book is uh, his view on on special counsels and when it comes to the president possibly being indicted. He doesn't believe that presidents uh, should have to face criminal investigations, indictments, uh, civil lawsuits, anything like that while they're in office. Uh, he thinks, mm. con- yeah, I wonder why seems he convenient. Yeah, um, you know, he thinks Congress should pass. Uh, law temporarily protecting presidents from these distractions. Um, he thinks it's solely up to Congress uh, to go through the impeachment process. But we know this Senate isn't going to do that, uh, even if it's warranted, and therein lies the problem. Ah, yes. Abiding by the law is far too much to ask. It's too much of a distraction to be president. And I was talking to somebody who's on a town council uh, in another town here in Connecticut. He's a Republican. And we were talking about this very issue, and we talked about Bill Clinton. And he's like, yeah, we know. Don't you think Bill Clinton was uh, distracted? I'm like, well, you know, if it's warranted, it's warranted. If it gets distracts the president, well, then tough luck. But sometimes, you know, you got to do what you have to do. But uh, Kavanaugh is also against subpoenaing a president. Uh, He had said in the past, even the lesser burdens of a criminal investigation, including preparing for questioning by criminal investigators, are time-consuming and distracting. Uh, And he said that a president uh, that is concerned about an ongoing criminal investigation is almost inevitably going to do a worse job as president. Well, if they're being investigated, I would say the bar is already pretty low uh, on how bad they can get. So I I just think we should not – not investigate presidents because it may distract them. That's it's you've already crossed the Rubicon at that point. Yeah, I'm not sure that doing a worse job is actually possible at this point <laughs> for Donald Trump. But so by all means, do whatever the hell you want, because obeying the law will just get in the way of governing. <sighs> it, it, back in 1998, uh, he had an article in the Georgetown uh, Law Journal 
And he wrote that Congress should be uh, should give the president the ability to fire special counsels. And I read that like, oh, Jesus Christ, here we go. Uh, I mean, his reasoning though is that presidents, especially if you see what Trump's saying, people like Trump uh, complain that independent counsels are politically motivated and that they are powerless to do anything about it. So by giving them the power to fire them, it's kind of forcing the presidents and his surrogates to put up or shut up. The, the problem is Trump would put up. He would be like, all right, fired. Get him out of here. I'm not under investigation anymore. It just it does not sound good to me. Not at all. So you know, we'll have to see what happens here with Kavanaugh. It's up to the Senate at this point. You know, if you rate all the Supreme Court justices, I mean, it's it was kind of balanced for a while there. Uh, we As we talked about, Kennedy had been the swing vote. Um, if we had had Mer- Merrick Garland put on there like he should have been, it probably would have been uh, a little more liberal of a court. Uh, but if you if you rate them all from liberal conservative, uh, Kavanaugh is just barely to the left of Clarence Thomas, and Clarence Thomas is really far right. So uh, Kavanaugh is not a mainstream candidate. He's a far right candidate, and I mean the people that gave the list to Trump wanted just that, and it looks like that's what they're going to get. Mm, the Federalist Society. Imagine what that means. You know, they, they use a lot of words in their titles that sound, oh, it's very patriotic. It's all very good. Uh, but no, it's uh, it's very far to the right. Uh, they don't want to do what's best for the country. They want to do what's best for themselves. Just what we want on the Supreme Court. Oh, God, yeah. I, I, this has been upsetting me for several weeks now. Um, I'll try to keep my own personal views at bay, although I do a really bad job at doing that. Uh, but this is a little background uh, on Kavanaugh. He graduated from Yale Law School. So, hey, he was in Connecticut for a bit. <laughs> Another Connecticut connection to this god-awful administration. <laughs> yeah. We're so proud. Oh, man. Uh, so he's a Yale. He graduated uh, in 1990. He actually clerked for uh, Justice Kennedy. Uh, the person is going to be replaced. There was actually some rumors out there that Kennedy had been negotiating with Trump uh, to you know, leave but put this guy in there. I, I think those are unfounded rumors. I was going to talk about it a little more, but I'm like, oh, you know, it's all really far left-wing websites that are reporting that. So, eh, you know, I don't want to throw anything out there. So th- I would say that's not true. But, yes, we must stick to the middle, Jesse. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so it, it's funny. He actually worked alongside Neil Gorsuch. He went to high school with him. They went to this prep school. I think Gorsuch was a couple years behind him. But, man, I mean, what are the chances that two guys on the Supreme Court went to the same high school at the same time? Well, I would tell you the chances are pretty high because this is one of our preppy uh, elitist schools outside of Washington, D.C., Georgetown Prep, yeah. where, you know, the, the high and mighty from across this country, you know, tend to congregate and, and send their children to these fancy prep schools. So, you know what? I'm sure there's lots of members of our government that all went to that school at that time. <laughs> and, you know, betraying the swamp, right? Uh, get get the D.C. elite out of there. Um, he was actually on the Ken Starr investigation into the Clinton White House. And, you know, that's where he says changed his views uh, on going after the president. Uh, after that, he- So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute here. <laughs> the guy is arguing that we should fire special counsels, and yet he worked under Kenneth Starr. So does that mean he is admitting <laughs> that Kenneth Starr's investigation shouldn't have happened as well? Well, if, if I've met enough politicians in my life, it's that, well, that was okay, but this one's the one that's bad. Like, don't judge me. I, you know, do as I say, not as I do, uh, kind of thing. Uh, but he then went on to work for George W. Bush. He was one of the lawyers in the Florida recount. Uh, he was later a, a close aide 
Um, yeah, there's been a big push going out there uh, to get his emails released because working in the White House as a White House aide, he must have sent thousands of emails out there. And those are all in public record. I think probably at the George W. Bush library somewhere on some server. Uh, the Republicans really pushed that to happen when uh, Obama nominated Elena Kagan. So again, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And uh, I mean, weird things are already coming out, and I don't think they're deal breakers, but it just came out that that this guy is very far in debt for buying Nationals tickets, the baseball team, for him and his friends. I'm like, is that good judgment to to have a lot of debt on credit cards to buy a lot of baseball tickets? It just seems like a weird decision to me. Well, you know, and keeping it close, actually working for W is where he met his wife, Ashley, who was the personal secretary for the president from 2001 to 2004. So they like to keep it in-house. Very incestuous. But, you know, you see that a lot in in government. I'm not going to hold that against him necessarily. Um, A little bit more about his views. Last year, the ACLU actually sued the Trump administration uh, because they were trying to prevent an undocumented teenager from seeking an abortion while in federal custody. Um... The majority in the D.C. Circuit ruled that the government had to allow the teenager uh, to have the abortion immediately, but of course, Kavanaugh dissented, and we've all been very worried. we've all been very worried about Roe versus Wade. I mean, just the other day, um, the vice president said yes, he still wants to overturn Roe versus Wade. So that's that's what we want to see in this government. Um, in 2012, Kavanaugh struck down an EPA rule aimed at reducing soot and smog among across state lines. He said, you know, increasing regulations, uh, the EPA rule was too burdensome on the individual. Hmm. You know, it sounds like it would fit in perfectly. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the EPA in a little bit, but you know, he sounds like he'd fit in perfectly in the Trump administration. Yeah, you know what's burdensome on the individual? The smog going into my individual <laughs> yeah. lungs. That's yeah. what's burdensome. Well, you know, by the time it's really a problem, he'll be dead, right? So what does he care? It's fine. Uh, There's been a lot of talk about uh, will he pass. I actually think he'll get through. I actually think it'll be a vote of 50 to 49 because McCain won't vote. Um, You know, there are red state Democrats like Joe Manchin, West Virginia, Heidi Heitkamp. Um, I think they're going to not vote to approve Kavanaugh. They don't have anything to gain, really. I don't think it's going to hurt their candidacy. And if they did vote to approve, to approve him, uh, I think the Democrats in their states will be pissed off. And while they may win this election, I bet they'd be primary in six years. Yeah, they're in a lose-lose situation, so they might as well do what's best for the country. Forget about being reelected. Yeah, uh, and, and we've talked about this. I don't see any real way that the Democrats take back the Senate. I, mean, I guess it's not impossible. I just don't think it's going to happen. Uh, but if you look at trying to stop Kavanaugh from being approved, I mean, it's the usual suspects. It's uh, Susan Collins from Maine, Lisa Murkowski from Alaska. I think they'll do a show and they'll waver, but in the end they'll vote for him. And there's Rand Paul, but Rand Paul talks a big game. Every time something comes up that that Trump does he doesn't like, he talks, oh, I'm going to go against it, and then he folds the cheap card table. Um, I would not put my money on Rand Paul for anything. I mean, heck, his father's out there tweeting out, was it racist or anti-Semitic stuff, and then blaming a staffer for doing it. They're all wackadoos, in my opinion. Folds like a cheap card table, like when his neighbor rolled him, broke his ribs and all. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a tough year or so for uh, for Rand Paul. So you know the Schumer and the Senate Democrats are going to put up the biggest fight they can do on this one, but it's it's going to I think it's going to happen. I mean, you know what? I thought the ACA was stuff was going to be repealed and it wasn't. So I guess never give up hope. Uh, but I'm just not feeling too good about. It. I think he's going to get get on the court and then. Uh, you know, eventually, after uh, Mueller gives his findings and things go to the Supreme Court, he'll say Trump's just fine, leave him where he is. 
Well, perhaps there's reason to have hope that the Senate will flip, and I'll talk more about that later. Well, and it's going to delay the approval till after the election. That's going to be the tough part, too. Uh, Mitch McConnell had – I talked to someone else today, again, the same guy. He, he was the uh, the town council, the Republican town council member, and he's like, well, a presidential election is much different than a uh, than a Senate election. You know, they can vote on it early. I'm like, no, no. Yeah. You're just saying that because it's the, your party. If it was reversed, yeah. you'd be going crazy. Yeah, let's remember that Republicans in Congress don't tend to play by their own rules. No, they they do whatever they want. And, you know, Democrats have been guilty of that in the past, too. I don't want to make it sound like the Republicans. But, you know, the Republicans are doing it now, uh, and it's a very dangerous time for them to actually be doing it. So that's why I think we're really hypercritical of them right now. So things on the home front weren't bad enough. Uh, Trump's just causing more international incidents. Um, he went to the uh, NATO summit over in Europe, and he started off today, Wednesday morning, uh, by claiming that Germany is, a, is captive to Russia uh, you know, because of this gas pipeline deal. And I think there are, from what I've been reading, some you know, legitimate concerns with it. Uh, but again, he's just saying things in his own crazy Trump way um, that Germany is under Putin's thumb. And you know, Trump has a, has a tendency of uh, blaming other people and accusing other people of doing things that uh, he's really guilty of himself. Yeah, great foreign policy strategy, you know, bash your allies and then attempt to negotiate work with them later. That's really sounds like it's going to work. Now, he was right in front of NATO Secretary General uh, Stoltenberg uh, and, and a bunch of reporters, too. Trump just was out there saying it's very sad when Germany makes a massive oil and gas deal with Russia where we're supposed to be guarding against Russia. And Germany goes out and pays billions and billions of dollars a year to Russia. First of all, it's, it's quite a run-on sentence. I think there's a couple ands on there. Uh, yeah, well, which of his are not, you know? Yeah. He goes on and says, if you look at it, Germany is a captive of Russia because they got rid of their coal plants, got rid of their <laughs> nuclear. Uh, they're getting rid of much of the oil and gas. From, they're getting much of their oil and gas from Russia. I think it's something NATO has to look into. So, again, he's pissed off that they got rid of coal because, you know, that clean, beautiful coal is nationwide, worldwide, what we should be using. Oh, West Virginia voted for him. Oh, man. Uh, he's just – he's a dinosaur. It's what he is. And, uh, Germany's controlled by Russia. I mean I don't understand how he says these things with a straight face. Seriously. I mean, while, while he's gone, I think uh, the Senate, either today or yesterday, they passed like, this non-binding re resolution saying that you know we support NATO. Like, basically, like don't listen to Trump. Uh, and the fact that even a Republican Senate will do that uh, when the president's out of the country and acting like a lunatic, uh, that says something. It just really does. Oh, it certainly does. So, you know, this is all in response to Berlin's support for the construction of the $12 billion Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which would bring gas across the Baltic Sea into the European continent. Uh, so by that standard, then, are we controlled by Canada because of the Keystone <laughs> Pipeline that President Trump vowed uh, to approve completion of? Of course, you know, Canada, that's why he's so pissed off at uh, Justin Trudeau. You know, we, we're under their thumb as well. Um, again, you know, it's, it's a little more nuanced than that, but uh, it's one of those things sometimes where you know Trump can have a point, but he's making the wrong point. He just happens to have, you know, if, if you actually look into it. But yeah, I mean, Trump's just—he's acting nuts. He's out there. He's alienating NATO members, being buddy buddy with Putin for a long time. I mean, it's it's funny that he's kind of saying you know Putin, Russia's bad, but you know he loves Putin. We all know that. Um, I, I just—I mean, we all know that Trump is Putin's puppet. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's one of the best alliterative phrases I think that came out of 2016. Um, but you know, as we learned, uh, oil pipelines are bad, election interference. You know, what are you gonna do? Uh, the Republicans just have a lot of shoulder shrugging going on when it comes to Russia, and at least when it comes to Russia and America, and this is no different. 
what are we to do? Well, we do this podcast, and hopefully if we can change one voice, that one mind. That is the correct uh, answer, Jesse. You know. <laughs> oh, so uh, last week, uh, Trump flew over to Montana to give a speech because, you know, he doesn't have another election for another two and a half, was it two and a half years? But, um, you know, why not? Let's just do another speech, another rally. Uh, and there you could claim that, you know, Putin's fine. He's fine. We're all fine. We're people. Why well, be prepared? Totally prepared. I've been preparing for this stuff my whole life. You know, first of all, Putin is is not fine. He's just a, he's a bad he's a bad hombre to quote the president. Um, second, you know, Trump's not prepared. He hasn't done anything to prevent Russia from doing exactly what they did in 2016, in 2018, in 2020, and beyond. Of course, you know nothing to see here, folks. Or perhaps there is. Uh, according to Jonathan Chait of New York Magazine, who published an article this week suggesting that perhaps Donald Trump has been a Russian agent since he traveled to Moscow in 1987. <laughs> I know that that's a little bit out there and, and without trying to sound conspiratorial here, but it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility. Now, read the article. It's worth the read. The points he makes are you know, there could be some truth to this. You know, he traveled to Moscow in 1987, and ever since then, that is when he started talking politically. You know, that's when he started his attempts of running for president. And perhaps something happened back then in 87 when Trump tried to get his brand into the Soviet Union that maybe ever since then, even if he doesn't realize it, they've been controlling him. <laughs> he's kind of like the Manchurian candidate. He doesn't know what this goes. I mean, everybody's been saying he's doing Putin's bidding. I mean, Putin wants to you know, put a wedge between Europe, Western Europe and the West, you know, in America. And I mean, I, I think I saw something on Twitter today that Russia, t Russian TV was actually laughing about how he's doing a better job than Putin's doing it, you know, doing Putin's bidding. It's crazy. Yeah. And again, you know, I'm not trying to start any conspiracies here. It's this isn't info wars. Or read anything. Come on. the article. All right. There are make, some, make your own decision. There are right? some relevant points and then make your own decision. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. I mean, it's not like we're thinking that that. Trump's you know, twirling his mustache or anything, but you know it's when I tell people that uh, don't think there's any collusion or anything crazy going, I'm like, well, what? Everybody in Trump's hemisphere is related to Russia, and and it's just a coincidence? I don't think so. So uh, Trump went on and said, you know, getting along with Russia and getting along with China and getting along with the other countries is a good thing, not a bad thing. Unless you're Germany, then it's a bad thing. Then you can't talk to Russia. Only only Trump talks to Russia. That's that's his deal. Maybe he's like a, you know, a jealous. I lover. was just going to suggest the same uh, thing. Someone's cutting in on his boyfriend at the dance. Talks a lot about the uh, FBI lovers. Maybe he's, uh, you know, has loving, loving his eyes, and it's not for Melania. So, and then, this is the weirdest part of the whole speech. He then went after Senator Elizabeth Warren. She's from Massachusetts. Uh, you know, he's been calling her Pocahontas for the last two years plus. I mean, he, I refuse to say I'm sorry for calling her Pocahontas. Uh, he said he donated a million dollars to charity. She took an ancestry test. I mean, this whole thing's. I mean, Montana. I went on Google Maps just to look, and you know, Montana's you know, a little more, a little under uh, two thousand miles away from Massachusetts. So I don't know why he's in Montana talking about a senator from Massachusetts. Uh, he also kind of made fun of the whole Me Too movement, where you know, if if this happened to an actor, oh my God, it would be the end of their career. But you know, Trump is just Trump. Um, he said, you know, we're going to do it gently because we're the Me Too generation. So we're going to be very careful. That was in relation to going after uh, Elizabeth Warren. Well, oddly enough, Montana is a state with a strong uh, connection to Native American heritage and ancestry. But of course, those aren't the people at his rallies. You know, it's more of the, the rancher types and the survivalists. You know, perhaps the guys he starts to pardon this week. We'll talk about that more later on as well. 
I'm going to give a shout-out to Richard Litzy. He was a staffer uh, for Montana Senator Max Baucus. When I worked there, he deal, dealt with uh, Indian Affairs issues. So uh, I know the Montana and Native American uh, issues. You know, not as good as they do, but better than most, I would say. Uh, and then Trump, <laughs> he just goes off to everybody. Then, then Trump went after George Herbert Walker Bush. I uh, went after John McCain. You know, McCain is, you know, not to sound... Negative, but McCain's dying. He has brain cancer, uh, and George Herbert Walker Bush is uh, not doing so good himself. He's old, and he's been in and out of the hospital recently. I don't know why a Republican president would go after a former Republican president and a former Republican nominee for president. Just because of no his tiny, tiny hands. Every affront to him is an attack on his manhood. So he feels compelled to defend himself and to go for the throat. I mean, couldn't you see him pushing his way to McCain's? funeral whenever he does pass away, even though McCain says he doesn't want him there, and during a eulogy talking about the ACA thumbs down vote and how it was not very nice, uh, he just can't let it go. Uh, and he talked about how Trump doesn't understand him. I mean, just imagine, George Bush 41, he ran for president and won in 1988. It's been a long time. 30 years. Uh, but he's still... <laughs> for those yeah, who can do math. Yeah. yeah. Yes, actually. It's very simple, actually, when I think about it. Um, and he's still completely... I didn't understand this campaign slogan, a thousand points of light. Well, okay. You know, if you don't get it now, you're not going to get it. Um, and, and I love the way he actually put it. And when I say I love, uh, you know, it means I, I hate, actually. Uh, what the hell was that anyways? A thousand points of light? What does it even mean? Jenna Bush, uh, his daughter, uh, had to tweet out a 1997 letter from Bush 41 that said... A point of light was a vision about serving others, one that lit up our country, one I hope our country hasn't lost. I'm sorry, Georgie. It's not looking so good. Yeah, well, I would tend to err on the side of hope as well. Let's hope that we haven't lost it all. Fingers crossed, man. Finger is crossed. And while he's flying over to uh, the NATO meetings, uh, he actually he pardoned a couple more people. Uh, this time Trump pardoned two Oregon ranchers who had been convicted of arson. Uh, they were two of the people that kind of put the spotlight on the federal government land ownership issue uh, and got a lot of its opponents, like the Bundys, kind of all worked up and going crazy. It was Dwight Hammond. He's 76. Uh, his son, Stephen Hammond, 49. Uh, they were convicted back in 2012 of setting f- a series of fires on their uh, ranch, and these fires spread over to federal land and put people in danger. Right. And we've seen a number of these things. You mentioned the Bundys as well. There's been a number of of these standoffs between ranchers out in western states where there's large swaths of land that are, you know, private land owned that bleeds into federal land. And these ranchers are allowed to graze their animals on federal land for a fee. But then they get all bent out of shape about paying that fee because they believe in small government. They don't want the government regulating what they do with their animals, even though it's on taxpayer you know, land. So what they do then is to have standoffs or burn the land down. And they say that the government has no business telling them what to do. You know, I would tend to disagree with that. And, of course, uh, Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke, I just saw this on Twitter earlier today, is actually speaking at a conference either today or tomorrow. Um, I forget what the conference is actually called, but it deals with 
these kind of folks, you're pushing for you know rights to hunt more on these lands, Second Amendment rights. Basically, uh, a lot of these ranchers who want to go on these federal lands. And again, it's just it's bad timing. It just doesn't look good when you uh, actually just let these people out. Sarah B. Sanders, of course, is there to defend the action. Uh, she said uh, the evidence at trial regarding the Hammond res- Hammond's responsibility for the fire was conflicting. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Uh, and the jury acquitted them on most of the charges. The Hammonds are devoted family men, uh, respected contributors to the local community and have widespread support from their neighbors, local law enforcement, and farmers and ranchers across the West. Wait, hold on. So if you're a good family man and respected by your community, you can just set fires? Is that, that cool? Apparently. Yep, you know. Yeah, well, screw the law. Um, she continued on saying, uh, justice is overdue for Dwight and Stephen Hammond, both of whom are entirely deserving of these grants of, cl- of executive clemency. Kevin, why don't, you, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit what these people actually did? So in did. 2001, they started a fire after hunters in the area saw that they were illegally slaughtering a herd of deer. Less than two hours later, there was a fire that forced the hunters to leave the area and concealed evidence of the deer herd slaughter. Stephen Hammond's nephew testified that his uncle told him to, quote unquote, light the whole countryside on fire and that he was almost burned up in the fire, having to flee for his own life. The Hammonds claimed that they started the fire to stop invasive plants from growing onto their grazing fields. Mm. In 2006, several illegal backburns were set to protect their winter feed from a wildfire. The backfires were set at night without warning the firefighters that they knew were on the slopes above the fires and were uh, threatened to trap four Bureau of Land Management firefighters. Two days later, Stephen Hammond threatened to blame a Bureau of Land Management employee with arson if he didn't terminate the investigation. These guys should be pardoned. Uh, I mean, and, you know, I, I don't know as much as some people about this on the internet, but I mean, I've seen a lot of people really just, I mean, you know, not just random crazies, like people who are journalists saying that you know, these guys tried to kill firefighters because they were pissed off at them. They, I mean, this was done on purpose. Um, but, you know, they're. they're Respected in the community, so, you know. They're good family men. I'm sure they go to church as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure, you know, they're, I mean, sure, uh, Mike Pence and they, you know, can hold hands and sing homilies or whatever goes on in churches. I'm Jewish. I don't know. So, um, uh, so the Hammonds were both serving five-year prison sentences. Uh, and it's, you, you look at this, and Trump doesn't have any interest in pardoning people like, I don't know, like nonviolent drug offenders. Uh, but he's happily pardoning arsonists who could have potentially killed people. Um, you know, they're people who supported him, who are famous, who have famous people who want them pardoned, uh, or are just scumbags. These are the people that Trump pardons. Um, we've talked in the past about uh, NFL players, and he, he charges NFL players with, you know, what, what can we do then to make things better? And some of the people came back saying, you know, let some of these people who are serving long sentences for nonviolent crimes out. And no, why would he bother doing that when these two arsonists are just sitting around waiting mm-hmm. to get out? It all comes down to white men protesting or protecting their individual rights. And if you're brown or any other color, you're screwed. And, you know, I always want to be careful with our machine. We're both white. Nothing wrong with being white. It's the kind of people who are white and, and you know, think that's the best. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm no better than anybody else. I'm, not, I'm no better than uh, most people. Uh, that's a lie. I am. But not because I'm white, just because I'm Jesse. Uh, if, you, if you look at some of the people uh, their their reaction uh, to this, uh, the executive director of the Center for Western Priorities came out against these, obviously, uh, said uh, Trump has once again sided with lawless extremists who believe that public land does not belong to all Americans. 
Um, the executive director of the Center for Biological Diversity said the Hammonds are dangerous people with a history of arson and legal grazing and threatening federal officials. Trump's pardon abandons human decency and will con- encourage more violence and extremism among his base. And that last line, that's definitely true. Yeah. You opinion. know what? Don't like the federal government. Don't like to follow the law. Then don't. And while you're at it, have an armed standoff or burn the entire village down. Yeah. Why don't you ask the people at Ruby Ridge how that worked out? And it doesn't go so well mm. these days. Or, or ever. Um, but, you know, at least, Kevin, at least Trump, the one thing he'll be remembered for is uh, stopping uh, the, the threat of nuclear terror from uh, from. You bet. Korea, we can all right? sleep easier now. Or not. <laughs> it may have been a little premature uh, for him to say those kind of things. Uh, last week, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo uh, went to Pyongyang, and it did not go well. Um, a source within the White fake House, news. and we all know that unnamed sources are fake news, yeah. Uh, a source within the White House said it went as badly as it could have gone. Uh, this source told CNN that uh, the North Koreans were just messing around and that Pompeo had been promised a meeting with North Korea's Kim Jong-un. Uh, but uh, that meeting didn't happen, and that probably sends a very big message. Um, the only people that are surprised by that, though, I think, are the people in the Trump administration. If you look at the history of North Korea, especially when they meet with people uh, from the West, uh, they lie, they delay. These are all classic North Korean tactics. They're also classic Donald Trump tactics, so maybe that's why they get along. And, so of well. course, <laughs> this is the reason why previous presidents, such as Barack Obama, mm-hmm. refused to meet with him. Trump, in his weird mind, thinks that Obama couldn't get a meeting with Kim Jong-un or, or Kim Jong-il. No, he could. He just didn't want to because of exactly what's happening right now. Uh, and then after all this went down, uh, the state media in North Korea released a bunch of pictures of Kim uh, visiting a potato farm when he should have been meeting with uh, Pompeo. So just, you know, one more screw you, I think, to the United States and the White House. Uh, yes, but we can all sleep easier once again. Yeah, well, you know, we're on the East Coast, so for now, I guess we can. It's uh, our friends over on the West Coast, and even, you know, if we're actually being serious, it's our friends in, in Japan and South Korea. They're the ones who really have to worry about all of this if it goes uh, if it goes down the drain. Uh, you know, Pompeo's trying to spit it out and saying, oh, you know, this is a decade-long challenge. Basically, oh, you know, you can't just get this done overnight. Um, but uh, it's, it's just not true. I mean, North Korea is saying that Americans' attitude is regrettable. Uh, they're saying that the uh, U.S. is using gangster-like tactics to push the nuclearization. Uh, whether it's true or not, it, it just shows that you know, North Korea was never really serious about this. It got them on the world stage. Uh, we got rid of the, uh, the war games that were happening in South Korea, and uh, now Trump looks like a fool if nothing comes of this and he's desperate. He has yeah, no we leverage. give up the farm and get nothing back in return. Now, I agree with Secretary of State Pompeo that this is a decades-long challenge. Problem mm-hmm. is, we have a simple-minded president who thinks that this is mm-hmm. a simple problem that he has solved. You know, if Trump had gone there and come back and said, you know, we had a good discussion, um, I think we can, you know, it's not going to happen overnight, but I think we can work towards something in the future, and we're going to commit to that. You know, we would have been like, all right, fine, that sounds good. Uh, we don't like Trump, but, you know, getting rid of nuclear weapons in North Korea is good. But, of course, everything he does has to be the best. Everything he does has to be so wonderful, better than any other president, and that's really what kills him. And, and I, it's weird that a lot of the base Republicans just, you know, you know again, shrug their shoulders, whatever. He says that we, we got our judges. He can be as crazy as he wants and make these stupid statements. But you'd think the average person would be annoyed when you hear a president just either lying or making false statements. But uh, it's been a year and a half, and I guess, you know, there's still 
40% of this country that doesn't mm-hmm. care. And you wonder why we say they're putting party before country. And of course, Trump has no real idea what's going on because he, uh, he said that he hopes uh, or that he has confidence that Kim will honor the contract they signed. They didn't sign a contract. They signed a vague statement. Uh, but he walked out of there, I think, thinking that he'd gotten everything he wanted and that it was, you know, the ink was dry on this contract. Uh, but that's not the case. Right. Sorry. You know, it's like all these uh, executive orders and things that the president signs and he has those photo ops where he holds it up to the camera with his signature on the bottom. You know, what are the odds that he's <laughs> yeah. read a single word in any of those executive orders? He doesn't know what he's signing off on this. He's the worst businessman in history. What are the chances that he read any of the legal briefs or rulings from any of these people he's considering for the Supreme Court? No, none of them. He can sit there and read that stuff. He'd fall asleep after one page, I think. Kevin, I need some good news. We had some good news. Hey, yippee ki kaye Scott. Pruitt is gone. Oh, thank you. Finally, to anybody who's been living under a rock, Scott Pruitt was the EPA administrator. And, you know, he had just a few scandals, uh, such as spending $43,000 on a soundproof phone booth for his office, hmm. uh, $105,000 on first-class fights, because if he sat, you know, back with the unwashed masses, they would yell at him, so he, he can't do that. Uh, he apparently tried to buy a uh, used mattress from the Trump International Hotel. You mean Hotel, old, post office. The old post office? Yep, yep. Uh, I, I, we should just not even call it the Trump International Hotel. Just always refer to it as yeah, the Why give him office. the credit? No, no. And, uh, you know, crazy enough, tried to use his position to get his wife a Chick-fil-A franchise. Uh, the list just goes on and on and on. Well, you know what? We'll take it where we can get it, I suppose. You know, every little bit, any, any win I can get these days uh, makes me happy. Uh, last Thursday, Trump tweeted out, I've accepted the resignation of Scott Pruitt as administrator of EPA. Uh, within the agency, Scott has done an outstanding job, and I will always be thankful to him for this. Well, no, he hasn't. Um, from the moment he got there, Pruitt really just undermined the EPA and pulled back regulations aimed at helping the environment. Again, that's why uh, Justice Kavanaugh, or Judge Kavanaugh, whatever they call him, now we've approved, uh, probably likes Well, and, and we saw this coming from the get-go. As Attorney General of the state of Oklahoma, Scott Pruitt sued the EPA. So, of course, that made him the natural selection to head the agency. Yeah, because uh, when I want to put someone in charge of the agency, I go, you know what? Let me get the guy who hates it. That'll probably work out well. Um, it's, it's like putting... Uh, it's like putting Ron Paul in charge of the IRS. You know, he wants to get rid of it. Um, so who's going to be replacing Pruitt? Uh, you know, someone qualified, someone good? Nah. Deputy Administrator of the EPA, Andrew Wheeler. Uh, he's a former coal lobbyist. Uh, and somewhere in West Virginia, they're playing their banjos. Oh, God, yeah. Um, I mean, as a former lobbyist, that's the kind of lobbyist people think of. You know, cigarettes, Philip Morris, coal... Uh, either the bad guys, uh, you know, they ruin the good name of lobbyists for what, a wonderful. What was that like movie? Uh, Thank you for smoking. Thank you for smoking. Yeah, and you know, it actually was relatively realistic. Uh, well, for those kind of guys, you know, I, I don't make the kind of money the characters in that did, but I really did enjoy that movie. So, uh, you know, why did Prude actually leave for the EPA? I mean, was it uh, due to all the open criticism he was actually getting from his own party on the right? Um, did it have to do with the more than 13 federal investigations he was facing? Uh, was it the result of being the most corrupt official in the Trump administration, which, by the way, is quite an impressive feat? Uh, no, he resigned due to an un- quote unquote unrelenting attacks on him and his family. Uh, he said it's taken a toll on all of them, and I say, well, now he knows how the environment feels after he was. He sure of does. You know, perhaps it was the confrontation he had with Kristen Mink, a teacher at Sidwell Friends School, which happens to be the alma mater of both the Obama children and Chelsea Clinton, uh, when yes. she 
the mother of a young son approached him as they dined in the same restaurant a few weeks ago and told him that he should resign. She told him, and I quote, we deserve to have somebody at the EPA who actually does protect our environment, someone who believes in climate change and takes it seriously for the benefit of all of us. She also urged him to resign before scandals push him out. I wouldn't cry too many tears, though, for Scott Pruitt. I'd bet you dollars to donuts he'll be lobbying uh, down there. You know, there is a, uh, there's a statute – a couple years after working in the federal government or working in Congress, I think, before you can lobby. Um, I, I think that pertains to people who have been uh, head of departments. I know it is for elected officials. But, you know, you can get around that. You basically work there. And you don't lobby, but you wink, wink, kind yeah, of – Grease the wheels a little bit. From the inside. Yeah, you know, hey – you can call this person, tell them that you work with me, and uh, maybe they'll answer the phone. Although, working with <laughs> – I can't say the story on this podcast, but I used to work with a former member of Congress who then tried to call somebody, uh, and they did not pick up his call. And uh, his reaction about how she used to treat him and how uh, she treated him now, uh, it was tough not to just laugh in this guy's face because it was so funny. So, uh, you know, sometimes these people uh, don't uh, keep all their contacts, but – you know, with this administration and Scott Pruitt, you know, it, it's people. It's like he leaves, Scaramucci leaves, Bannon leaves. They're gone, but for some reason, they're still Team Trump. They're still part of the family. So. All right, Kev, what do you have for Kevin's corner? Well, this Jesse, week? this week I've been given a reason to be hopeful. Hopeful that perhaps, despite the public cost of the Trump administration's misdeeds, our country might be ready to turn a corner. Additionally. I've also been given some reassurance that perhaps the world will not hold responsible the sons for the sins of the father. I recently returned from an annual trip to visit friends and family in the wonderful state of Texas. And while I spend my time there in the somewhat liberal bubble of the city of Houston, while I was there this week, I was surprised by what I saw, or more importantly, what I did not see. In this midterm election year, with a Senate seat up for grabs, I saw not one single indication that Ted Cruz was a candidate in this race. No signs, commercials, or paid advertisements. I did see a great deal of support for Robert Beto O'Rourke, Cruz's Democratic challenger. Not only were his signs abundant in the older Mexican neighborhoods of Houston, but they were quite apparent in the more affluent areas as well. While I am aware of the size of the state and the number of people who do not live in the diversified, more progressive urban areas, the buzz over Beto gives me hope that change is on the horizon. During my visit, I also had the opportunity to speak with a family member and her husband, who is French. They live abroad in Paris, and of course, I felt the urge to apologize for my country on behalf of Americans nationwide who believe in human decency. To my surprise and delight, Many in their part of the world can separate our president from the American people. There is good in this world. Perhaps there is reason to have hope after all. You know, Kevin, we've, we've discussed this, and I'm, I'm a little less optimistic of Beto's chances, but I'll definitely be supporting him because uh, I think whether anybody listening is Republican, Democrat, or other, I think we can all agree that uh, Ted Cruz is the most hated person in all of the Congress and just a real scumbag. Um, you know, George W. Bush has a famous story where he just did not like that guy, especially when he was asking for his support while Jed was still running, which is ridiculous to do. <laughs> but great Kevin's Corner, as always, to all of our listeners, thanks again for being here and sharing this 
you know, 30 minutes to an hour with us. Uh, it's my favorite part of the week, Kevin, and I hope it's yours as well. As always. As always. So uh, make sure to go to our website at grabthembythepod.com for all lots all the goodies you can find about us, our wonderful mugs on there, and our social media links, and so on and so forth. And uh, we'll be back here sometime next week with a new podcast. Until then, Kevin, it's been fun. Later. Later.